Hello, everyone. My name is Hank Sutala. And I'm Casey McBride. And we have a special guest, Allie, the White Witch of the West. And we're here with Hello. another exciting episode of Stir Crazy Shamans. Hello again, and we have, uh, again, Allie, a very special guest, and it's actually Casey who invited her on, so why don't you do a little introduction and let us know what we'll be talking about today? Oh, me or? Oh, you. <laughs> yeah, well, you, I, you know her, but I don't. Oh, know her, yes. Um, <laughs> so, so you can tell this is totally unplanned and unrehearsed. But. It's all improvised. Yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, actually, we, uh, we, she... We met as uh, through massage therapy. She's a, she was a client of mine, and um, it's funny because we uh, we had been working together for I think like over a year, and we never knew that the either person or both of us uh, were into working with like plants and spirituality and all this stuff. And then um, one day, she just hands me a business card and says, "You know, hey, I work with plant medicine. I know you're a massage therapist, so if you ever need anything, let me know." And I got it home and I looked and it said White Witch of the West. And I went, I bet you she's into like manifestation and spirituality and all this stuff. So the next session I brought it up and then we started talking and realized we have all this stuff in common in terms of our spiritual practices and all that. So, um, so yeah, it was wonderful to connect. And um, uh, so, yeah. That was a very good breakdown that, that about sums it up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so um, maybe tell us a little bit about um, uh, how you got the name White Witch of the West and what you do with plants. Yeah, so um, I have been, I've had a strong connection with plants since I was a little kid. Um, and of course, you know, uh, that kind of stuff, it kind of goes by the wayside when you, you know, reach adolescence and you're too cool for that thing and all that. But um, once I entered adulthood, I started to feel that connection again. And I was feeling um, a little bit more of, you know, exploring my inner child, you know, inner child and reflecting on my childhood and having these um, very strong connections with nature again. Uh, so I um, kind of did a little bit of um, spiritual reflection and uh, went on a different journey and found myself um, to be pagan. And that is now how I identify um, religiously. Um, and what that means basically for me is just that uh, the earth and the seasons and the cycle of the earth, um, that is all my higher power. So um, it's all about being connected to all of the living things around you, that we are all one. Um, we all share this energy and, um, you know, very similar to what shamanism kind of teaches. So I um, began to look into how I could make a living out of this passion for plants. Um, and I enrolled in a course to become certified in herbalism. So now I have like my little side business which is very small but it's still it's a business and um i make like plant-based medicine and skincare items and other things for um people who are interested in living a more earth-based lifestyle and i can tell you from first-hand experience i have 10 years of experience in banking and i started doing this work um, part-time as well like a side business and then it became my full-time thing so just uh, overnight it could really change you never know Oh yeah, that would be like my dream come true. My dream would yeah. be like to live in a cottage and have a witch garden and like 
be the local witch that makes <laughs> makes herbal remedies for the neighbors and everything. So, and a, a lot of what I do is word of mouth. So it's I call it the old witch's way. Um, I don't have a website. I don't have even an Etsy shop. I have an Instagram, and I kind of use that as a platform not only to connect with um, potential like clients that might buy my stuff, but also to kind of share my love for plants and how. Um, how powerful a connection with plants can really be and how um, plants just make life amazing. Cool. And Casey, did you have her, um, her Instagram link where you could post it by chance? Did you think to get that? Oh yeah, no, I did. <laughs> well, um, well, well, we're putting uh, Casey on point for that to get that link so we can share it with everyone. So they can connect with you if that's something that they would like to do. Yeah. Now, when you talk about plants being spirit beings, of course, you know, Casey and I are both shamans or uh, he yeah. just actually started the apprenticeship yesterday. And the type that we practice is called the Paco tradition, which literally translates to nature mystic. And it's a, really a, a, a deep connection with mother nature, just like you were describing. Do you actually find the, uh, with plants, I always find that sometimes like, it's almost like a collective consciousness for me. Like you're talking to the plant, but though it's individual, it's also you're talking to the whole species. Have you found that to be the case for yourself too? Um, it depends. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I, de I definitely feel that, um, that connection of, you know, overall collectivity and collectivism and stuff. Um, but I definitely hone in on individual energies for sure. And, um, I'm that way, to be honest, I, I feel energy with everything, including inanimate objects. So it's, it's no surprise that I feel a special connection with plants, which are a living thing. But, um, I, de I definitely do tend to hone in on like that individual plant or that, individual animal or that individual person. So that's kind of cool. just the way I roll. Cool. I think that's one of the reasons we really started uh, to um, connect a little more is when we started to share our passion for plant medicine. We both, I think, have worked a lot with plant medicine ourselves and want to share that with the world. But we, um, the thing we do different than say like your average I don't know, like apothecary or online retailer, or whatever you want to call it, is that we, we, want, we want to bring in that spiritual aspect and we want to teach people to communicate with the spirit of these plants. Um, so is there anything you have uh, to share uh, like in terms of a new plant you're working with, say, for the first time? Is there a certain kind of ritual or something you like to do to get yourself into the space to invite the spirit of that plant in as you're working with it? Um, for me, it kind of becomes... Nah, it, it just kind of comes natural for me. Um, what I do when um, I'm explaining this to people, I do like to um, kind of break it down in a way that even non-spiritual people can sort of understand. Um, and I like to talk a lot about, um, about the meaning of what being alive means and what life means. And I think what we do as humans a lot is um, we, we ascribe more value to life that is similar to ours. So, um, you know, uh, for instance, we all believe that like the people around us have a spirit, have a soul, have an energy. And then we typically believe that um, other mammals have a consciousness, you know, especially our pets, our cats, our dogs, um, you know, our favorite animals like elephants and giraffes. We, we think of those things as, as being um, spiritual beings. Um, but once you start to move down that, uh, that species um, chain and that evolution chain, um, you kind of we kind of start to value life less. So, um, like a bug, for instance, we we don't always think of that as being as 
um, spiritually valuable as um, a mammal might be, or even like a reptile or a rodent might be a little bit um, less valuable in our um, eyes spiritually um, compared to like a dog. Uh, so I think it's important to remember that again, um, we are all a part of this energy that is life um, and that other li living things do um, have uh, value and they are essential to this um, life force that we experience by being a part of the planet. And um, plants, which, you know, like, like we say, we might consider those things to be even less, even more inanimate, if you will, um, than like a, a little bug or a snake or something like that. Um, and I think what's important to remember is that um, they, as living things, they are a lot more similar to us than we realize. Um, and even from a scientific perspective, if, um, if that's what you need to kind of um, grasp this concept, um, plants are very social beings. Um, they do communicate with one another. Um, and this, this is a book that I kind of wanted to do a little shout out for. It is called The Hidden Life of Trees. And it is by um, Peter Wollaben, who is, um, he started in forestry and then became um, very spiritually connected with the trees that he was working with and began to study them um, as spiritual beings. And um, he presents all kind of si kinds of scientific research that shows that trees, in fact, um, have uh, these same type of characteristics that we have that we might ascribe to the idea of having a soul. Um, and so he breaks it down um, and he puts it in a way that's very easy to understand and very easy to compare so that you can ki like, kind of relate to the trees, you know, like, um, and see them as people almost. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how cool. I feel about it. Yeah, I can remember my... I was taught how to build sweat lodges uh, by Dr. Neil Milladell and me and my friend Dave, we were going out and you had to get these saplings out of the forest and you'd say, you don't just cut one down. You have to go up, put your hand on the tree and connect with it and ask, do you want to be a part of this? And we actually got a couple no's. It was like uh, my first real uh, conscious communication with plants, realizing that, wow, if you were to ask them, do you want to be a part of something? They may not say yes. They might not be, they might want to grow up and be that bigger tree or something like that. So that was a big aha moment for me uh, as I was going through what I was learning. Yeah. And trees are, trees are, um, they're amazing because they have a very, a very special presence. Um, they, we kind of think of them as being old and wise and just, you know, towering over things. Like they've seen so many things in their time. And um, putting your hand on the trunk of a tree, it, it's amazing the energy that you can feel from that tree. And it is, um, it's powerful. And I remember the, when I was first starting to learn about energy and communication with the natural world, I was in a little park just not far from where I uh, lived. It wasn't, I wasn't really in the forest. It was just kind of a little patch of woods, but I was sitting there sort of connecting and did a little meditation. And then I felt called to go over to this tree. And I remember putting my hand on it and uh, I felt this um, like a, a whole story come through uh, about like what this tree had experienced 
like from when it was really young to growing up and then, and then like uh, some suffering that it had experienced as people were like carving into it and all of this stuff. And, um, and yeah, it was a really amazing experience. But uh, now one of my favorite things to do if I am out in the forest and I find a tree with particularly beautiful energy, um, you know, it, it was, I love to hug trees. And, you know, I know that's such like a stereotypical, like hippie thing, I guess, a lot, or some people would think that way. But man, I tell you, just wrapping your arms around a tree and really giving it intimate hug is not only one of the most grounding experiences, but I mean, you can just feel the love coming back from it. So, and that's a great way to open up the dialogue because not only are, are we in physical contact with the tree, but we're really sharing energy on an emotional level through something like a hug. So it's a great way to open up the dialogue of communication with spirit and, and the natural world. Yeah, and you'll find even that um, fallen trees that have died have a lot of energy. And um, it's important to um, respect respect those spiritually as well because there's an entire ecosystem going on with that. So trees offer so much sustenance even after death, which is just incredible. They're very respectable creatures. Yeah. In the Paco tradition, we call them Mauki, Mauki Kuna, the trees. And uh, first weekend of the apprenticeship, we give everybody homework, actually, where you have to go find a tree and connect with it, give it a hug. So Casey, you're way ahead of the curve with that. <laughs> but, but you ask, you ask something very special from the tree. You ask it how, how to teach you how to take all the elements of this world and make something new. Because the tree is connected to the earth, it's connected to the water, it's connected to the air, and it's also taking the energy from the sun, inti, and it's taking all those things and it created something new. And so we, it's a very special, magical uh, information that you can learn from the trees if you're opening to, open to receiving it. Yeah, that's, that's a very good point. They are very heavily connected with all of the elements mm. and very vital to all of the elements. Yeah. One thing that's come up in a couple of readings I've done recently and journeys as of late is um, these uh, uh, tree guardians is what I call them. Someone else, uh, Mary, who was on a couple of days ago, was telling me there's a different, oh no, it wasn't her, it was her, her friend was telling me there's a different word for them and that only, um, like not a lot of people are actually able to see these tree guardians, I, I guess, and communicate with them in spirit. Uh, but they look like almost like an ent from Lord of the Rings, where they're like sort of a walking, um, like almost sort of humanish version of a tree. Uh, but uh, the way I understand them and having communicated with them through journeying is that they are um, sort of like uh, shepherds in that they um, they oversee, like, for example, there's like an oak tree guardian and they would oversee like all the oak trees in say a particular forest or something like that. And then there's an even more powerful one that oversees like all of the oak trees on the, on the planet. And, um, uh, oh, wow. Where was I going with that? <laughs> <laughs> so trees have guardian angels just like we do. Yeah. yeah. But, um, oh, but then, uh, just talking about like abundance and how, how, um, how they're able to, um, bring in all of the elements and, and create uh, new life and that they give so much. One of the journeys was I met with a, a spirit of a tree and I was asking about um, uh, abundance in my life and how to create more abundance. And uh, this uh, uh, tree showed up and grew out of the ground in this journey and, um, uh, and like apples started to fall off of it. And um, so I picked one up that fell off the ground and took a bite. And then like another one came and hit me in the head and I looked up and then just and, all these apples started falling off and rolling out and to the point where like they 
just filled up the entire land and created a mountain. And then uh, the tree sort of took me inside of it. And I had this experience of being uh, told that, you know, uh, to the tree, you know, it's nothing uh, to create fruit and to share that. And, um, and it does so consciously to sh make a contribution to all of the creatures and the conscious entities on the planet. Um, but that it doesn't ask, you know, it's like, it doesn't ask anything in return. It shares because it genuinely wants to share that with the world. And, um, and so it was a great, and it was just an awesome lesson about giving about how, you know, you can give a hundred percent of your gifts to the world. And not only have you not lost those gifts, but you become stronger every time. Uh, that mm -hmm. you do. So just a little story to show how the wisdom of trees can really help to teach us a lot more than uh, many people realize. Yeah, and trees um, that are in a forest, um, they, trees can actually be thought of, especially um, oak trees and trees like that, that um, typically grow in forests as social creatures. Um, and they do provide a lot of sustenance for each other and for their young. Um, and there is a little passage in the book that I showed you previously um, that talks about um, a, he, the author had come across a dead tree stump and um, he noticed a little bit of it was cut away and that there were underneath the bark there was green so there was still some life going on. Well, after some exploration and studying over time, um, what was found is that the tree, the surrounding trees were using their energy and their food reserves to pump food into this stump and take care of this stump and heal this stump. So oh, wow. they are very giving creatures. They definitely are. And they're also an example in uh, going back to our tradition too, there's a concept called Aini, which means uh, reciprocity, divine reciprocity, and just our connection with the trees, us providing the, the gas that they need a sustenance and them providing us is just another great example of how interconnected we are too. Oh yes, we would not survive long without <laughs> trees on this planet, that no. is for sure. <laughs> and, but, and I, but beyond that, um, ha you know, having a, a deeper connection with trees um, while we know that they are they're so important for us physically um, it, it can it can bring you so much joy to really feel a connection when you're walking through a forest or through a meadow and um, really feeling a connection with those plants can make a big difference in your life well yeah and you're no longer just walking through a forest full of inanimate objects, you're walking through a living field of communication between many beings. And when you really tap into that and are aware of it, uh, man, does that shift the experience and the, and it, it just, it becomes so much more magical. And mm -hmm. I wish, I joyful. wish joyful, joyful yeah. is the word that I would use. Joyful. That's a great mm -hmm. word. <laughs> Absolutely. And what's your thoughts on like when you have the forest and everything, all the, all the trees and all the, brush and all the different uh, elements that make that up does that go into and we have this concept called the apachamamita which is the spirit of the land is it the collective perhaps the collective um uh intelligence if you will or uh beingness of all the plants or is that you think something totally separate when you're looking at like a forest like what makes up that spirit of the land is it everything combined or is it just like an overall separate being do you think throwing that out to both of you just kind of talk wow that that's an interesting question um I, I think that it comes from everything collectively, um, from all of the energy um, that is in the forest, you know, coming together and creating that. But but it almost is as if there it's there's an overarching 
spirit to the forest, if that makes sense. Like Mm -hmm. um, there's an overarching energy where, um, you know, I actually have um, a forest in particular that's special to me that I grew up um, just spending a lot of time in and um, occasionally I'm able to visit um, again and again um, in my adulthood. And I I always have this sense of um, the entire forest sort of looking out for me and, you know, being glad that I'm there again and making sure that, um, that I know that it wants me to come back again. And, um, it's definitely a very powerful feeling that just, it's incomparable to anything else, really. Yeah, I can, I don't have a particular forest, but there's been a couple experiences while camping and things that were just like, wow. And it almost feels like the land is supporting you. Like, even if like you're riding your bike through it and you fell, like it just, oh, wow, there was just this nice thing to fall into. Like, it just seems to have your back sometimes. (laughs) So many times I've walked through my forest and like, you know, it might be getting dark or something. And like, you know, maybe this is foolish, but I, I have said to myself in my mind, like, I know nothing can happen to me here. I am protected here. So... Cool. Yeah, I know the there's a uh, it's a forest not too far from where I live, and I've been there uh, way more times than I could count. I've been going there since I was a really little kid, and um, yeah, there are especially certain places where I've spent more time than others. That as soon as I walk in, it's almost as if the trees and the plants and the animals and everything. I just feel this energy of like, hey, welcome back. You know, like the same kind of uh, like welcome that a family member would give you if you hadn't seen them for a while. Uh, but it's it is very warm. And then I always feel like I, I just instinctively do this thing when I start to really feel the energy of it. I feel a lot of love. And then I kind of wrap my arms around and give myself a hug. But then it's like I'm hugging the energy of the entire forest as well. So it's a really um, powerful uh, emotional and energetic experience. Uh, but yeah, I definitely think as far as the collective I, ha- I haven't really met uh, in my journeys or uh, while walking through waking life with a spirit that was like, I'm the, oh, maybe I have now that I think about it. Uh-huh. I was going to say, I haven't met with one that was like, I'm the guardian of this forest, but not physically in any of the forests I've been in, but on shamanic journeys, journeying through the middle world, which if you're not familiar, is like the um, spiritual equivalent of the physical world. Um uh, I have been in forests where I've met with a being that w- that communicated that it was like the guardian or the uh, the being that overwatched the entire forest. So I guess in that way, that could be like a, a, a spirit of the entire forest. Um, the one place that I definitely have had that experience is Lilydale. And we were just talking about maybe doing a, a road trip over to there once the stay at home order is done, but it's, it's not just a forest, but there's people that come from around the world to that place. So it has a lot of people moving through it. And as such, with all that attention on it, it kind of gets more energy for it to grow. And I, yeah. it's definitely one, one place that's a hot spot in terms of forests. So we definitely got to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be excited to do that. Yeah. We could pick up Allie on the way. She's on the east side now, right? She's right on the way out to Lilydale, so we could make a road trip out of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're focusing a lot on trees, but at the very beginning, uh, it was like everything from the smallest smallest thing to the biggest thing. But So you could even connect with blades of grass and find medicine and healing and uh, something something yeah. like that, or, or a, a clover, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I want I wanted to share real quick about speaking of uh, you know being like a good steward of the land and um, and and asking permission we had kind of touched on that a little bit um, but uh, it, this was just like a, a week or so ago it was on 
uh, okay, well, I'll back this up a bit. So before uh, I went out on my birthday to harvest some ramps to make, oh no, okay, I'm, I'm all over the place. Recenter, <laughs> take a breath. Spirit, <laughs> give me the words, let them flow through easily and effortlessly. <laughs> so it was my birthday. <laughs> And I went you can out. Cry if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> I went out into the forest, and uh, I, that day I knew I wanted to make something special for dinner, but I had no idea what I was going to cook. And as I was walking through the forest, I had a little ceremony to connect with the spirits there, and it was really beautiful. And then I came across these ramps that were growing, and and then I looked, and there were just entire fields of ramps. And uh, so I thought, oh, I'm gonna. I just had the inspiration to make wild foraged ramp ramen. I thought that would be really awesome. And uh, so I went and found a patch of ramps that looked particularly healthy, and there were just a ton of them. So I knew if I took some, it would be it wouldn't be a big deal. But I still asked permission. You know, is it okay if I take some of these ramps with me um, to make into food, etc.? And uh, I got you know, yeah, it's okay. So I'm. Um, taking these ramps and I, I took enough to where I was like, okay, I'd probably be okay. But then I started to think, oh, but if I took like 10 more, then I could do this other thing with the dish. Even though I didn't need to do it, it would be like extra to make it even more special. And then as soon as I started doing that, I kind of got this heavy feeling, almost like, like I was supposed to stop when I did, but I ignored it. <laughs> and but I just was really excited and I like picked a few more and then brought them home. But then I got this really, really heavy feeling and almost like an anxiety that hit me after doing that. And um, and then I went. I've, and, I've, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have felt plants being mad at me. Yeah, before. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so then fast forward a week later, I went back to the same forest. And again, I knew now the ramps were going to be even more peak. Like, like, they, like the, uh, they're going to be even bigger and tastier and all that. I was like, ooh, I get to, you know, maybe I'll get to harvest some more again. Uh, I went out there, and as soon as I started to say, like, oh, thank you, Pachamama, thank you, Mother Earth, thank you, uh, Spirit of the Forest, I love you, I love you, I love you, and started to really connect, there was a big fallen tree that I had to climb over, and I went to step on part of it, and it broke off, and I fell and, like, twisted my ankle really bad and, like, hit my arm yes. and hurt my arm. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but, it, but instead of, like, being frustrated or anything, my, my, as soon as I stood up, I was like limping and in pain, but I went, thank you for whatever lesson you were trying to teach me. <laughs> just yeah. Said, like, thank I you for that. that. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, um, I've had similar things happen to me too. That's funny. So, so then I went and I, and I found this patch of ramps that was, I mean, they were looking really, really good. They had grown like twice the size and they were, I knew they were going to be awesome. And I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to take some of those. So I asked this time and I said, is it okay if I take some of these ramps? And they were like, no. So I asked, I'm like, you're, you're sure that's a definite no, I'm not allowed to take these? You go, not today. <laughs> so I got the sense that uh, that was sort of like a payment, like, you know, I have to be patient, wait, and then maybe in the future, if I ask, then they'll be okay with that. But <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all of that is a big, um, a big aspect of herbalism and herbal medicine. Um, when you go out to forage, it's so important to, you know, you always, like you said, you pick a stand that is uh, prolific and um, you know that you're, that taking a little bit is not going to harm the um, stand as a whole. Um, and you show gratitude when you're finished and you, um, you give back if you can. Yeah. So that, that might mean um, planting seeds the next year. That might mean simply 
um, providing some kind of active service to the woods. For me, um, with my business, I donate um, a portion from time to time to plant conservation. Oh, very cool. I like to make offerings of tobacco uh, to the plants. Um, as I, I was taught by a friend who studied with, um, I think, Lakota shaman, um, who told me that that's what they do when they harvest plants is they always make an offering of their tobacco. Yeah, I think um, Native Americans used like corn and stuff, yep. things like that. To I've used back. corn before too, or um, or Florida water from the Southern tradition, giving a little offering of uh, Florida water at the base of a plant or, or somewhere else in the forest or whatever you're doing. Something that means something to you and giving that back. So, yeah. Or one of the things that we'll do too, going into like when I've gone to um, the shaman retreat uh, weekend that happens on the east side, uh, there was like a, this amazing grounds. And when we first got there, we did a whole despacho ceremony, introducing ourselves energetically to the entire spirit of the land. And it went a long way. We had a magical time the, the whole weekend. It was just um, a, a great way to introduce ourselves and to really honor all the spirits and not just, you know, being a guest in their home. You know, we introduced ourselves first. So it yeah. went a long way. <clears throat> yes, yeah. interacting with the the forest. Yeah, yeah, and having a dialogue. You know, um, uh, like you said, plant. We may not. Well, some of us can. Some of us can talk in, in, in English, or, or you know, we. It's the energy we're translating, really. So we're not actually speaking in English to the plants. But when I say I'm asking things, and I get like a no and not today, I feel the energy that my mind is able to sort of translate into words. But everyone, regardless of where you're at and your ability to sense energy and all of this, we can all open up a dialogue with the natural world. And um, plants, uh, the forest, uh, animals, they communicate through um, feeling rather than through words like we use uh, with our minds. Um, and uh, it just takes a little bit of stepping out of the constant mind stream, tuning into the body, and then learning to sort of extend those senses outward and, and, and feel. Um, but we can, you know, even just the simple uh, touch, you were saying like touching the root of a tree or hugging a tree or even engaging with our senses. Like if there's a plant or a flower, you know, smell it. And and then that, those, the physical senses can be a doorway into the perception of like real energetic communication with plants. Yeah, the senses are huge. Um, and I know oftentimes uh, this feel, this, uh, feeling of um, energy that that we feel when we come into contact with things um, scientifically is sometimes described or ascribed to um, synesthesia, which is the using of multiple sense, senses at a time. Um, and that so much goes for the sixth sense as well, just um, using your bodily senses and being able to tap into that intuitive sense that we inherently have, all of us inherently have. Yeah, that's where a lot of modern day um, like plant medicines and things came from. It was like shamans out and being able to connect with the plants and knowing I'm going to mix this with that and it's going to create this amazing uh, medicine for people. And without that sixth sense, you might go to something that looks very similar, but is poisonous instead. So that dialogue is absolutely imperative uh, when you're getting into that work. Yeah, I had a, I had a friend who told me something really fascinating and um, he had learned it from a shaman he was working with. But it was that for every poisonous plant there is in nature within, I don't know what he said, something within like 100 yards or so, not exactly, but as a kind of a general way to explain it, uh, you will find the antidote 
uh, to to cure whatever poison that was. And he and I was I kind of thought about it. I'm like, huh, I don't know, I've never heard of that before. But then he points to the ground right where we were, and he's like, that's poison ivy right there. And he goes, right over here is this other plant. I don't know what it was like, jewelweed or something. And he's like, and if you rub that on, it will neutralize the the poison from the poison ivy. So, and it was like right after he told that, it was like, boom, example right there in front of us. So I thought, huh, maybe that is true. And we've just lost that wisdom. It's the right. checks and balances of nature. Right. <laughs> yeah. It would make sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Assuming we haven't messed with nature and like wiped out a part of it where that plant would have grown. Right. You know? True. It's like where, where we add our two cents and sometimes they destroy that synergy, unfortunately. Yes, that is unfortunately true. <laughs> and yeah, and I think it's very important to be, uh, like we said, uh, being a good steward of the land. I wanted to kind of touch on that a little more. Um, but yeah, keep opening the dialogue and asking whether or not it's okay. But then if you are interested in like foraging for plants or whatever, um, you know, learning ways that you, that you, you know, even if you're not at the space where you can really communicate with spirit, which we all can, but others, some people are blocked. They don't, they're, they're not tapped into their ability to do that. Um, but either way, like, like Ali was saying, Thing. If you come across a big field of plants and there's like a ton of them, you know, it doesn't mean you need to collect that whole field just because, oh, I found it, you know, take it, take just enough for whatever your purposes are for if you're making medicine or, or food or whatever, and then leave way more than enough to where that plant's not that field of patch of plants is not going to be affected. Uh, but then also simpler things, you know, how many times do you go walking through one of your favorite forests and you see someone just leaving like beer cans and you know, and, and plastic cups and things. And I think really how how horribly unconscious and lazy are you that you can't carry that thing with you that you brought into the forest out. Um, so there are a lot of times when I, if I come across like a little bottle and I have a bag on me or something that I'll just, I'll grab that, put that in my bag and then carry it out. Yeah. And, you know, and it, and it seems like a really small act, but you know, if enough people were to adapt that sort of mindset, it would make a huge difference in really taking care of the land. You know, one fun thing we can do this year, uh, you know, down in Mohican, how you can go canoeing and kayaking and all that. They actually have some of the places that if you prom if you are going to go down and as you go down the river, pick up all the litter and things and bring it, you get to take your kayak ride for free. Oh, that's awesome. Isn't that fun? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So like, that is so, awesome. So they're just making it, and not every place does it, but those that do, you just go down and as you go, you find bottles, tires, whatever you happen to find. And so not only do you get a nice little nature trip, but you can be a service to the land. Oh, that's awesome. I love that's that. That's awesome. Yeah, there was, <laughs> my favorite is in like the metro parks and places like that where there's a lot of like public walking and things. When you when you see um, bags of dog poop on the ground and it's like, why did you even bring the bag if you were just going <laughs> to wrap the poop up and leave it on the ground? The poop would have been more of a contribution to nature than it, if you had just left it. And I've never seen that happen. Now I know that you brought that up. I'll probably see it all over the place. Yes, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, Hope you take away more than just dog poop from this conversation. No, definitely. <laughs> no, definitely taking away a lot, but I, I have the awareness that whenever something new is introduced that I've never heard of before, all of a sudden in my reality, it shows yeah, up. Yeah, me too, like new <laughs> words and stuff like yeah. that. Or even when you buy something like your new car, all of a sudden everybody you look at is driving the same car as you, even the yes. same color. It's like, wow. And it's not that it's actually any more or less cars out there. It's that your awareness You're changed. more aware of it, yeah. yeah. So I guess I was poop blind before. <laughs> it's not a bad thing to be. Uh, and for those of you uh, watching with us, you're welcome to ask your questions and comments. We love your contribution and questions, and that kind of gives us the energy of where to take the conversation to what it's going to uh, 
be the biggest contribution for you. So if you have a question, uh, absolutely please ask. This is our show, not just uh, our, our, this is our show, not just our show. Yeah. That, you get what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the energy was understood. The energy was understood. Good. Good. Uh, and I'll put this up to asking comments if you like. What was the name of that book one more time? This is The Hidden Life of Trees. And um, trees. It, okay. it's actually a part of a trilogy. Um, so I think this is the first one. Uh, the second one is The Inner Life of Animals. So that discusses like um, how animals feel emotion, how animals grieve, and the things that they experience. And then the third one is The Secret Wisdom of Nature. And that one discusses, um, kind of like you said, the, that collectivism of how um, all of these different bits and pieces of the ecosystem work together to create this um, cycle that really works and sustains life. Yeah, the thing with uh, the connected part of plants, specifically with trees, I would I find that if I really connect with a tree, I might pick up on information that happened in other lands from other trees of the same species. And so it seems like the entire species, like all oak trees are connected somehow. And like by connecting with one tree, you could pick up information from trees throughout the country and different things like that. So just a very interesting. Um, yeah, and um, it, it's also interesting to think about uh, what's going on below the soil level. Um, when we think about like mushrooms that we see when we're in the forest, that's the fruiting body of this whole network of um, things that are going on down there that support the forest and connect the roots of the different trees and the different plants together and create this sustenance for the forest as a whole. So fungi are another very cool thing to explore. Yeah, and there's a whole documentary or movie out. I haven't had an opportunity to see it yet, but it goes in and talks about how the fungus is really what connects the whole, the whole uh, underworld in a way. And overall. yeah, there's speaking of, there's this really, Absolutely. So, so the, I guess you kind of think of them as like mushroom roots or, or something, but they're, mm -hmm. the, it's called uh, the mycelium. Right. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. And, and there are, um, there are these really interesting, uh, I don't even know what to call them. They're not a plant. They're not a fungus, but they're called, I think they're called saporophytes if I'm not mistaken, but um they feed off and they sustain themselves off of the um, uh, nutrients and energy from both the roots of trees and mycelium, both at the same time. Uh, and um, but they're not parasitic, so they they don't take away it. Uh, uh, they don't harm uh, the mycelium or the roots at all. But the but they're and some of them look almost like these otherworldly. Uh, like, uh, like if you would imagine what a plant would look like in the spirit world or something like off in some very mystical place, that's what some of them look like. They're really like magical looking. And yeah, um, some of these small creatures, um, especially if you come across photography where it's like close up, it's amazing what they look like. They're beautiful. Um, yeah. They're, you know, or they're even like alien looking. Yeah, Mary Ford, uh, she was on with us the other day. She's a photographer and she'll take these huge close-up things where it's actually just a small part of a flower, but it looks like some weird virus alien looking thing. And oh, it's, just, cool. it's, it's, it's a phenomenal work. She has a real gift for it. We'll have to do a whole thing just on her artwork maybe one day. Yeah, uh, I'll have to check that out. I love stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. The other thing with mushrooms too is um, I, I like to think of them as sort of just like um, a visual of living proof of life after death because they grow from decay and um, they're often found on um, you know on dead tree stumps or in places where a lot of decay has taken place and 
it just shows that life is created from that energy of death. Very cool. I love that. That's a beautiful, I've, 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 I've never really looked at that as a metaphor for like, you know, the continuation of energy after death, but that's a very, it's a, it's a beautiful physical metaphor. I love mm -hmm. that. Yes, absolutely. Another thing I'll take away with me other than dog poop. So yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> dog poop and mushrooms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and do you work at all with uh, mushrooms as uh, medicine? I haven't um, just because it is so um, it's so risky because you really have to know what you're doing. There are so many poisonous mushrooms out there. Um, I've explored morale mushrooms a little bit. I had a friend of mine who um, was hunting morales while he was out camping and whatnot, and he collected some for me. Um, but I found that it was difficult to really make any sort of medicine with them because they need to be cooked. So um, they're more of just like an eating type of thing. Um, mm. if you're vegan, so you probably know that they're a great substitute for um, steak. And um, they also, uh, they're considered a delicacy in some areas. So they're pretty cool mushrooms. And they just look so amazing. They look like almost these little... Um... Like honeycomb brain. type of yeah, yeah or like a brain yeah. or something <laughs> yeah, they yeah they're like brains they're they're beautiful <laughs> but um uh uh yeah wild foraging mushrooms is something that i've been so fascinated with for years and years but because of what you just said because there is such a big risk and if you don't know exactly what you're looking for i mean you could end up in the hospital or dead um right. so so i never just really 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 high <laughs> <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> So, so I, um, so I never, I never pursued it. I never really looked into it. And then I don't know if it was last year or the year before, um, something within, oh, there was a lot of synchronicities around that. I was getting signs that I'm supposed to start looking for these, uh, mushrooms and, um, finally, uh, started to research it. And there are s certain mushrooms where as long as you know, uh, you know, you, you've done a lot of research on it, you've had someone show you, et cetera. There are mushrooms where you can basically be 100% sure that uh, either like, you know, it, it is the edible mushroom you're looking for, and then also, even if it is one that kind of looks like it, those are also edible. Um, so there are some that are pretty safe, like um, like chicken of the forest. There's really nothing right. that looks like chicken of the forest. So mushrooms uh, like in the same family, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I have, I've done a little bit of, for, I foraged for uh, uh, chicken of the forest, pheasant back mushrooms and uh, oyster mushrooms. Um, and, um, and it's been, uh, you know, I've, I've had, like, for example, oyster mushrooms, I've had them from the store. And, um, you know, they're all right. And I, I like, you know, I've had things made out of them that are really, really delicious. Uh, but those oyster mushrooms that I foraged from the forest the first time I did, like there was nothing more delicious than just cooking up food that I brought home from nature after asking permission. And um, it really brings a magic about the experience of, of uh, you know, eating. And, um, you know, it's like we, we need to eat to survive. But when, when you have an experience like that, where you're really connected to the food and the spirit and the energy of it, and uh, that just, for me, shifted the energy of the experience and it became so much more magical. Yeah, mushrooms, I mean, there are a lot of herbalists that work with mushrooms and make mushroom elixirs and things like that. And that's definitely something that I would love to learn to do in the future. But um, uh, they're not plants. So I guess um, I don't really know yet, like how I would 
prepare them as medicine. Um, you know, I think of, uh, I make infusions and decoctions and extracts and um, oils and things like that. So mushrooms would be like a whole different game because they're, um, they're, a, they're just a different substance. So that would definitely be something I'd like to explore in the future and make little mushroom potions and whatnot. One, one that you might be interested in starting out with just because it's so prolific and relatively easy to identify is uh, a turkey tail. I don't know if you're familiar at all. Not sure. Yeah, um, I know they, they, uh, there's a lot of health benefits, but they're really not very valuable as like a food mushroom. I don't think the texture or anything is like that great for cooking. Uh, but medicinally, uh, I know they're really great for the immune system. And then also I've heard women's health, um, uh, which I don't know specifically what that means for that mushroom in particular. Um, but they are, I mean, when I say they're everywhere, I mean, you'll find a, just tree stumps with like they're completely covered and uh, they, they just grow like weeds everywhere in the forests around here. Uh, so maybe one to kind of research and, and look into if you are interested. Yeah, That'd absolutely. be an easy, kind of an easy one to start out with. And for yeah, everybody who you. wants to see a picture of it, I think I got it. That's what that turkey yep. tail mushroom oh, yeah. looks like. Yeah. 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 Kind of uh, interesting looking. Uh, if I would, if I wouldn't have known it was uh, safe or whatnot, I don't know if I would have even attempted it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. People, people make tea out of it. They make tinctures. Uh, I know one per friend of mine was making a, uh, a, a, a soup base um, as, as medicine uh, for it. So yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I'll definitely have to look into that. That well, what would it take? Awesome. Who do we know that knows us? And maybe we could like host a class and, uh, you know, be a little self first, host a class and get the knowledge. Oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. I bet you there's somebody local. I know there's like a survival school down south. He had a booth at the expo last year. I wonder if he knows how to identify all that. How fun would that be? <laughs> yeah, be that would be really cool. <laughs> or just plant. Well, you know, I, I would love to learn more about, you know, what plants as I'm walking through the forest locally around here our food, which plants are medicine, you know, et cetera. I'd love to learn more about that. I mean, I have a little bit of knowledge, but it's, I'm sure it's very limited compared to what I would know if I really spent some time studying. And, but, but I'm the kind of person where I know I could sit there on a computer and research till I'm blue in the face, but I'm not going to retain it until I go out in nature and actually practice. You know, what it's we always cool when you, when you do spot a medicinal plant or a plant that you have worked with medicinally and, um, it's the first time you've seen it actually growing in the wild. And you're like, oh, there's that plant. It's an <laughs> it exciting feeling. <laughs> you know, one thing we could do, Casey, is like um, have one person like at home running a board or whatnot and the other person out in nature with someone and like actually going on a foraging expedition and live streaming it. And just <laughs> so people could kind of get a taste of, you know, what it's like and stuff like that that might not have ever tried it otherwise. Oh, that would be yeah, fun. That'd be, that it, would be. it would be a great fun. I bet you it would, it would be great. <laughs> and I was thinking it would be cool too, uh, as far as the, with these live streaming capabilities to hold little, um, uh, ceremonies out in the forest, like set up a camera and then have like a, a you know, a little like shamanic ceremony calling in the directions and everything mm -hmm. and, uh, do it like almost like a meditation or a ceremony that people can follow along with out in the forest. I think that'd be Yeah. Cool to thing. virtually connect with the forest. Yeah. yeah definitely. <laughs> And, and a lot of ceremonies are easily streamable. Others, I would be like, nah, you got to be there. But a lot of them right. are no, no problem at all. And in fact, Zane did one. Uh, did you see his early morning um, uh, meditation that he did? It wasn't even a meditation. He just went out in nature, out in his housing development, and just started calling in all the directions and did this beautiful uh, prayer and uh, yeah. little ceremony experience. It was great. 
Yeah, yeah, I love that. I I, I want to uh, I want to well when I start to learn more of the uh, uh, Peruvian traditions, I want to I want to share all that stuff with as many people as I can. All, all the stuff that's appropriate to share over virtual format. <laughs> Thanks for throwing that in there. No, a lot, but most, ninety percent of the stuff is cool to share like that. It's just like a couple things. He's like, ah, oh, that shouldn't really be out there unless. Uh, Unless you're there. <laughs> right. <laughs> just going to look for that post, actually. I'll grab that uh, the link for Zane's little ceremony because it's like really a cool thing to oh, share. And then, Allie, can you um, – What I don't, I don't know how to work Instagram. Do you, <laughs> do you, uh, okay. Uh, but I was going to say we can, we can post in the link so that everyone here sees it, but how to get to it. I don't know how we would – Yeah. I actually have my uh, logo shirt on here. Oh, nice. White Witch of the West, Earth-Based Living. Um, <laughs> and my Instagram handle is at westsidewhitewitch. So you can find my Instagram through there. Typing it up right now. At west, oh, I typed it right. Westside White Witch. Okay. So people have at Westside White Witch on Instagram. So that is posted to the different places we're streaming. Cool, thank you. Yeah, so if you're interested in uh, working with any of the wonderful plant medicines that Allie makes, then uh, check out her Instagram, connect with her. And um, yeah, and I, I love that because there, like I said, there are so many people making tinctures and essential oils and and uh, and you know tea blends and all this stuff, but. Uh, I think the majority of the products out there that people aren't actually consciously connecting with the plants and infusing, um, you know, real uh, conscious uh, intent and energy uh, not behind what they're doing. Love. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> right, and there's so, a huge thing to be said for that because, like, if you go get something, a processed tea in the store, nobody ever like you know, talk to that plant while it was growing up more than likely. But if you grow your own, like, especially in hoodoo, uh, things that you're using for magical work, if you actually get the seeds and you cultivate those seeds and grow them yourself and harvest them yourself, it adds that much more potency to the work. So there's a huge thing to be said for that. Yeah, absolutely. Putting your own energy into it and your own um, intentions. Yeah, you'll even take the seeds and you'll put them in your mouth a little bit and the acid helps them germinate, but you're also putting your energy into the plant as it grows then too. So a lot Very of- cool cool stuff yeah and i will post uh this is the link to the ceremony i just mentioned about zane it wasn't a little ceremony it was a 60 minute thing that he did so if you're interested in that it's over on the hhh channel uh, so you can go take a look at it too very cool so what what are some of the things that you can help people with like if um if people are watching we we've talked a little bit about tinctures and teas and things but what in the grand scheme of things what kind of things can all that help with Oh, so many things. If there's an ailment, there's probably an herb for it. Um, so, so, so like tinctures would be the strongest form of medicine um, that you can take uh, herbally. Um, that it's tinctures are essentially extracts. Um, some people use the words intercha interchangeably. Um, some people have different definitions for for tinctures and extracts and things. But essentially, um, a tincture is an extract. Um, and what those do is, um, you would take those like three, three or four times a day, depending on the herb. And, um, you might take that for, I mean, anything for energy, um, for libido, for, um, pain, for nausea, um, whatever it might be. Um, tinctures are very powerful medicine for, um, when you're using plants. 
Um, and then you could do the same with like um, syrups. So like elderberry syrup is a common example. Um, and elderberry syrup is essentially just elderberry, a very, very potent elderberry tea mixed with honey. And um, when I make elderberry syrup, I always use raw unfiltered honey because um, there's so much um, that the bees um, make when they do honey that is so good for us. And when it's filtered, like what we find in the grocery store, you're, you don't have all of that. So the power of the elderberries mixed with that raw honey is like um, is great for the immune system. It's um, known to fight viruses like the flu, um, the common cold, um, coughs. Um, and then Casey here makes CBD oil. So I do. Yes. I, did, I, did, I wasn't advertising that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I, I actually sell, um, Casey's CBD oil to some of my clients and they absolutely love it. So, oh, um, <laughs> th that's made a, that's made a big difference for yeah. people with, um, pain, with anxiety and with depression. Very cool. Yeah, now, so you're out of the closet now, so you can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I I wanted to real quick ask you a question now because I've heard this. I don't I don't I have not actually researched one way or the other, but I've heard circulating around uh, there's like this um, idea that elderberries should not be consumed by anyone right now because they do something with like our cytokines uh, mm -hmm. and and if you get the co the COVID virus, then it can like be like really horrible if you've been taking elderberries do you know anything about that um yes i have heard that too um that elderberries can increase the risk of a cytokine storm which is basically your um immune system overreacting and turning in on itself so if you were to get the coronavirus and um you were to experience a cytokine um, storm your your body would be reacting to that virus but then it would be um excessively reacting and at that point your organs would start to shut down um, so that's scary stuff. My opinion, like I said, um, as far as I know, there's not a whole lot of research on it. Um, I would like to think that anything that boosts your immune system could be a risk for something like that. Um, moderation, you know, too much of too much of anything isn't good. So, um, you know, if if you're more comfortable not taking elderberry during a time like this, don't take it. But um, it's hard to know um, when there's not a lot of research out there. I know in the world of essential oils, we always say less is more. And if you use too much of an oil, you get the opposite of the desired effect. Mm -hmm. uh, one example, I, I used to use lavender. I would just put a drop of lavender on my kids' onesies when they would go to sleep to help them sleep. And one time I accidentally did like a dropper full instead of a drop. And I'm like, oh, it's fine. And it, uh, he did not sleep at all that night. Or like oh, peppermint. Wow. peppermint, if you have too much peppermint, it's a vascular dilator and it overstimulates the blood yeah. vessels, then you get a peppermint headache. So there's something to be said for, uh, especially with herbs and oils, less is more and moderation is key. Yep, just like and, any just like any medicine, um, vitamins and um, anything, you gotta, you gotta find that sweet spot, so. Yeah, and Jason uh, offers like, ask your body what it wants. And that's great if you have that communion with your body um, to ask your body, like, what would be a contribution for you if, um, if I'm going to get sick, then absolutely do that. Uh, not everybody is as in tune as others. So if not, when in doubt, then, you know, then maybe avoid it if you're not confident in the, in the choice. Yeah. And I would assume too, that like, 
I mean, we might be giving elderberry syrup too much credit saying it's going to start a cytokine storm in us. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would think that you'd probably have to be chugging gallons of elderberry syrup for something <laughs> like that to happen. But, you know, again, I don't know because. Yeah, and everybody's body's different. So mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah. Great question, Casey. We <laughs> got people to start interacting. Right? And, yeah. and, Tracy, and Tracy was saying that regarding the elderberry syrup, that that's correct. So just, I don't know uh, what Tracy knows or what she doesn't know, but she's offering that as just a validation that it might be uh, correct or whatnot. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, like listening, what, ask your body what it wants. And when working with plant medicine, uh, uh, you know, some people have this idea that, you know, if, well, if a little bit is good, then, uh, a lot might be even better. And uh, we were talking about how less is more, but uh, really listen to your body. If you introduce yourself to a plant medicine, especially for the first time, take a little bit of it uh, and then really tune into the body. Because if you were to take a new plant that you've never worked with for anxiety or pain or whatever it is you're working with it for, and then you're like, oh, I got to run around and do things and you go to work and you're out and shopping. And then like, how do you even know how it's affected you? Because you're so distracted. So any plant that you take, as you take it, I always invite people to actually invite the spirit of that plant into their body. But even if you're not open to that sort of experience, at least really tune in, bring your attention inside of the body and feel how does my body react to this? What do I feel? What's different after consuming this plant medicine? You know, you may feel that your body sort of rejects something. Maybe everyone around you has told you this particular plant is going to cure your anxiety. It's the best thing you've ever tried. And 100% of the time it gets rid of their anxiety, but you take it and for your energy, it may, that may not be right for you. So you may reject it and it may give you more anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's a lot of people who like, especially with the CBD thing, we brought that up a little bit. Um, CBD, believe it or not, can actually cause anxiety in some people. It's, it's not very often that that happens. Um, but I've, I've met people who everyone around them tells them how amazing CBD is for anxiety, which for many people it really is. And so they go and, um, uh, and, they get it for themselves and they take it. And I, I, this was someone I knew was telling me, yeah, you know, I, I have been experiencing anxiety. I took some CBD and, uh, and it started to make it worse. You know, I was, I was, uh, I was felt like more anxious. Like, so I think I just need to keep taking it for a while. Maybe take some more and see if that fixes it. And I go, no, if your body's telling you, if you're really more anxious as a result of it, yeah, okay, if you really feel called to work with it, yeah, maybe play around with the dosage and that might make a difference. But if, you, if you've if you been doing this for a little while and every single time it makes you feel worse, that medicine's probably not for you. You know, our, everybody is, is unique in the way that our energy and our cellular structure reacts to the various substances we come into contact with. So. Yeah, and, and it really is just like... Um it's like any medicine. It's it's just like pharmaceutical drugs. They affect different people differently. And um, depending on what your brain chemistry is like, um, that might make a huge uh, difference in how it's impacting you. Like, um, you know, people talk about Adderall, people who are, who are, um, who have ADHD hate having to be on Adderall. It makes them, you know, feel foggy and like, you know, um, groggy and just, unenthusiastic but people but so many people abuse Adderall because it gives them energy and it keeps them focused and those are the people who don't have ADHD so um, yeah one example for me when I started to work with herbs um, I you know you hear about um, ginseng being a very powerful energy booster and so I had made myself a tea of ginseng root and that day I truly felt like I had taken like a drowsy cold medicine 
I mean, <laughs> I, I was so out of it, so out of it. So it had the opposite effect on me, um, you know, compared to what it has on the average person. But that's, you know, that's, that's not uncommon for that to happen. One of those for me is valerian root. Uh, valerian root is almost yeah. uni universally known as this super sedating, relaxing herb that people take before bed and helps with sleep. And uh, and I was so excited to try it the first time. You know, I made a cup of tea and sat there and drank it. And I sit there and like I started to feel like really agitated and like worked up and like anxious and almost had a panic attack and had the complete opposite effect on me. And I went to later research it. And I guess only like a fraction of a percent of the population experiences that. I just happen to be one of those people that gets yeah, that. Typically, um, if you research it, you will find that there's always that fraction of people who have an adverse effect or who have the opposite effect. So. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. yeah. All the more reason to not compare what you think you need with what your neighbor does. Right. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, we, and we use that concept in Axis a, a lot that if somebody, if you had like 10 people with the exact same thing going on, they all got to where they are in different ways. And energetically, you would we would look at it completely differently for each person. It's not like a one energy fix all. It's unique to the, each individual uh, what's going to um, what's going to create the contribution. Have a comment here. Uh, Kimberly, okay, sorry, I'm covering up Allie with a comment for just a second. I agree with what you said, Casey. Personalized medicine is the best medicine. I am so grateful that herbs and essential oils have similar components, so work with what's best for you, and of course, mixing the oils, the synergy again, to use what's best for you. And I wanted to comment yeah. on that and say, um, oh, oh, wow. <laughs> Bring it back. The thought just left. Yeah, come on. It's, it's there somewhere. Uh, well, I'll that. speak to one thing then, right? While you get your thought back, yep. with with essential oils, I'm an essential oil person myself. Nice. Uh, <laughs> and and um, with essential oils, like a 350 components of rose that are in an essential oil, all 350 components come together to make this beautiful synergistic oil. Now, what we do in pharmaceuticals, not we, but, you know, people, uh, they'll, they'll find the one thing that's good for depression, synthesize that one thing. And then when you have that drug that helps with depression, the side effect is suicide or anxiety and stuff like that. It's nature putting those things together to create that synergy that all these things, 350 things working together, create this amazing effect from nature. Yeah. So, so that's, that's a big, um, a big uh, talking point when it comes to herbalism. One of the um, the amazing pros about using plants as medicine is that while um, pharmaceutical drugs, uh, again, target one thing and then cause a lot of these different side effects, um, plants have this um, all-encompassing healing power that um, can, you know, for instance, uh, like dandelions can be used as a diuretic, um, but many diuretics that are prescribed over the counter um, I'm trying to think what it, I don't want to give inaccurate facts, but, um, I believe what it is, is that, um, the dandelions contain a lot of pot potassium, which counteracts, um, some kind of a negative effect that, um, diuretics can have on the liver. Maybe it is, um, not 100% sure of my facts right now, but you get the point. Um, when you're using plant medicine, oftentimes that plant can kind of counteract any, um, different uh, negative side effects that you might experience from um, the main target event of that drug. Did and then, back? yeah, it did come back. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, what I was going to say is that I brought up uh, that, uh, you know, uh, 
certain herbs that are great for other people not might not be good for you. And uh, but I wanted to bring the the positive side uh, of that statement, and that is that if you do try a plant medicine, for example, say you're trying something for anxiety, everyone around you says CBD is great, so you try it, doesn't work for you. The beautiful thing about working with herbal medicine is there are a thousand or thousands more plants that that help to heal the same exact thing. And so you have all these other plants to try that might work perfectly for you. And that may seem a little overwhelming for some people, like where do I start? What herb do I try? You call uh, Exactly. If you call, yeah, you call Elle, Elle. she'll send you in the right direction. But yeah. if one of those medicines she give you also doesn't work, great. You've got a thousand more to try for the same thing. Right. Um, yeah, and um, with it's kind of a there's there's not a lot of research on um, herbal medicine. Um, it's not you know obviously the, it, herbal medicine doesn't isn't approved or disproved by the FDA, and that can be a double edged sword because it means that um, we have these sort of broad dosages dosage recommendations, um, but it also means that we have the freedom to kind of explore what's right for us and um, to use herbs creatively and to find, you know, again, listen to your body and sort of find the dose that's right for you. I mean, if you are uh, wondering what can help you with herbs, one thing I, I picked up just from talking to you, Allie, is that your ability to connect with plants, uh, you could be tuning into the, your client and then asking them, their body or whatnot, what's going to be the greatest contribution for them and really intuitively blend something that's going to, to help them out rather than just say, well, I know like out of all the oils that I just showed you, like half of them are good for one thing. So which one do you pick? And that comes down to like honing in on intuition and who you're working with. Yeah. Intuition is a big part of herbalism. And then another thing that's uh, going back to, um, you know, like the numerous constituents that make up a, a single plant is that, um, you know, we, we kind of have a, a, a poor mindset in the West around herbal medicine where you know, people look up and they say, lavender is great for relaxation. Um, like, okay, yeah, that's wonderful. And it's great that people know that. Uh, but what about all the 58 other ailments that it can help with? You know, we, we don't look mm -hmm. at that or the energy behind what it can help us to learn. Um, and I know like uh, um, one of the, one of my favorite plants is uh, frankincense. I love to work with frankincense essential oil and all that. And um, frankincense is amazing. It is. It's and, responsible for my clear skin. Oh, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but I know you, you, there are like frankincense can help with hundreds of different ailments. I mean, it helps with everything from, you know, like a uh, breathing and like asthma to uh, like skin conditions. It can help with anxiety and depression and, um, uh, uh, I don't know, and pain and inflammation. That's like good for like almost every system in the body. And I think that's one of the other really magical things. You may be working for uh, an herb uh, to help you with one particular ailment, but then it may support all the other systems of the body. And that's something that's really important for any kind of healing is to address the being as one and to, to address all of the aspects. Because if we're out of balance or, or some kind of disease or suffering is manifesting in one area, then the whole system is probably out of alignment in some way. So those herbs that treat a myriad of things helps, I think, balance uh, all of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And um, that is, that's another big point of herbalism is not just treating the symptoms, but treating the body as a whole. And, you know, seeing that as all being connected. And that also includes the mind and the soul. Yeah. And Jason uh, just made a huge comment. Sorry to cover you up again, Hallie. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> but uh, 
and this this I have I have I have to wonder if Jason and Mary are watching together when I read this. Uh, dosage is problematic for other reasons. How was it harvested, preserved? Was it concentrated somehow, diluted? How was it grown? Where was it grown? What was the soil like? Micronutrients, etc. Many factors go in into the what the mix of stuff is in the plant medicine. And yeah, I, that's a great point. Yeah, and, and intuition comes into that too because you're sourcing uh, your things uh, and you know what you're going based on your intuition is good. If you're just picking up something at the store, then it's like, well, you don't really know. And that's yeah. what you have to tune into your body and see how it feels to you. Yeah, so you kind of you have to know your plants too. And um, when you harvest from the wild, um, you definitely have to look for environmental clues that are going to point to um, how effective this herb is going to be. So um, you're going to look at the the surrounding environment. Is um, does do does the environment as a whole look healthy? Is, does the soil look healthy? Um, is there um, pollution close by? Is it close to a highway or is it in a secluded meadow? Um, and cer certain plants are more um, susceptible to um, absorbing toxins from their environment. I know um, red clover is one example. Um, so you're definitely going to want to harvest red clover um, in an area that is secluded, um, that is thriving and healthy versus, you know, we see red clover growing all over the place um, on the sides of the roads and the highways, and you're not going to want to collect that red clover because um, it has likely absorbed so much of the pollution that um, is nearby in the environment. And a kind of a similar thing, when I go to the store, I always kind of check in with my body before I buy produce. And I was finding that sometimes my body would want the grapes and sometimes not. And when I started wondering, like, what is this? And I would flip the grapes over, I, I found the correlation that whenever I got a no, I could confirm every time it was there was like a notice on there that it used a specific type of fungicide. And so like if you're harvesting or whatnot and you really check in, you can't get that intuitive hit of it something being light or not. Yeah. Uh and speaking of, I know I've talked about this guy like numerous <laughs> times already, uh, but the guy that brought the cacao ceremony to the West, uh, when he goes out uh, and he, he has his own uh, brand of ceremonial cacao that you can buy in order to like facilitate your own cacao ceremonies and all that. And um, he charges like twice as much as some of these other companies charge for their cacao. But what this guy, and again, he, the, how he discovered ceremonial cacao, like no one really had heard about it. And uh, it was the spirit of cacao that showed up to him and was like, hey, you're gonna work with me. Here's where you find me. And he just drove out to where he saw in this journey that the cacao was gonna be and it was there. But now whenever he goes out, he has all these different um, like uh, uh, in, indigenous villages that he visits that grow the ceremonial cacao and prepare it. And he'll go to a village where he just recently bought all the cacao that they made, like a whole truck full, and he loved it. And then he'll go out there the next time for the next harvest from the same plants, same exact trees, same people making it the same way. And he'll uh, work with the medicine and try it. And if he doesn't, he, he'll feel the energy of it tune in and he goes, okay, I don't like it this time. So then on to the next village to see if that one's any good. Um, and uh, so he, so that's an example of like, um, uh, how even this, the same plant from the same area, uh, you, you don't know what, uh, what energies and what physical, uh, you know, pollutants, et cetera, have come into contact with that plant. But if you're able to tune in and, and you're sensitive enough, uh, to energy and, and you're tapped into your body enough, then it will really guide you towards what is good for you and what you should be working with and what you shouldn't. So really important to start to develop that dialogue, not just with nature and the plants, but with ourselves, you know, tune in and what is our own body telling us? 
Yeah, and one of um, my biggest principles personally when I work with plants um, in terms of medicine is I try to keep um, the ingredients simple. Um, if I can achieve uh, a certain desired effect with one herb, then I'm going to use that one herb. I'm not going to add all of these different things into it. And, um, you know, I, I just think there's that there's something to that in um, just making sure that we are aware of what we're intaking and um, just being able to kind of monitor um, where it's come from and how it's being used. Because that's a lot of the problem with all this processed food and medicine is that there's so many ingredients that we don't know half the names, what these mean or where they come from or how they've been studied. Um, so herbalism, you know, that's a chance to to not have to deal with all that, to just, you know, take the simple route. Um, it's amazing what you can achieve through things that just simply come from nature. And developing a relationship with a single plant is so important. Uh, and I've mentioned this before, but so many people get excited and they go, ooh, you know, I bought these five different herbs from the apothecary I just visited. So I'm going to make a tea out of all of them, even though it's my first time trying them and just see what that does. Because if they're all good individually, they're good together. And um, but then, again, you know, you don't know. Maybe one of those herbs was really helpful and could have accomplished whatever it is you were trying to use them for. And then the other four were actually counteracting it and causing you to have like more of a negative experience with it. And so of developing that relationship with a single herb and working with that. And I always tell people do that. Take one herb if you're working with it, you really want to learn about that particular herb. Uh, and you feel called to work with it more than one day in a row, work with just that herb for like a week or even more. And then stop work with another herb and if you really get to know the energy of them then you can feel okay well the energy of this herb was great and i love how this one affected me as well so if i combine them now let's see what their combined effect is but if you're just grabbing you know a blend of tea that comes from the store that has like 58 different herbs in it that is like a sleepy time blend or whatever you know how do you know what any of those herbs are actually doing to your body or your energy yeah, a good um, rule. You, so you want to come up with a formula when you make any kind of um, herbal medicine. And um, usually what a good rule of thumb is to have um, one main herb. And that's that's the herb that's going to um, really target the um, the symptom and really, uh, really accomplish what you're hoping to achieve. And then you're going to use like one to two supportive herbs. And so you, you, again, you have to kind of know your plants and know how um, certain plants interact um, and how they work together and what um, herbs are best to support that main herb that you're using. And adding in one uh, hoodoo element of you also tell the plant, this is what your job is here. Like you, it, it, it's one thing could be good for like 50 different things, but with magical art anyway, uh, whatever ingredient you're using for whatever it is, while you're in the process of kind of connecting and charging it up with your t intention, you, you basically tell it, this is why I'm adding you. This, this is what your job is in this uh, mix. And that helps direct it too. We, we actually had a question that um, it didn't roll through the comments, but I got a message to me from Annie. And uh, it's kind of going back to trees. She was asking like, if you had, to, if you were forced to cut down a tree that is endangering your house and structure, it's very old and dead. I'm not, I think that's the only part of the question. But if, like, if you were forced to cut down a tree, I, to, to kind of get the energy of where she's going with that. If you're in a situation and there's something in nature going on that you have to take care of in order to protect property or something like that is there an energetic way to go about it where it's not going to be traumatic or damaging to the plant 
Um, well, I mean, if you, if you cut down a tree, obviously you're, you're going to kill it. Um, but there are circumstances where, you know, we live in reality and we can't just have trees that are going to fall on our house at any moment. Um, so I think the biggest thing there is, you know, thanking that tree for its service, if you will, um, and really making that connection with that tree and, um, showing it gratitude, um, just like Native Americans did with, you know, hunting, um, when, when they would kill an animal, they would thank that animal, um, and they would use every part of that animal the best that they could. And there are ways to do that with trees as well. I know, like, um, even the Amish will actually pay you for your, um, trees. They'll pay you a commission that they receive from the lumber. So if you're using, um, every part, that's always a, a very respectful way to go about it. And then also, again, just um, giving back. So what can you do to give to give back to that space? Can you um, plant a, you know, like a little flower bed where that tree was, you know, and um, give back that like botanical energy there? You know, what can you do to not only show gratitude to that tree, but also to um, to make sure that you haven't just taken from that space that you've also given? And the one thing that comes up for me too, that as I know she's done the apprenticeship and things, we make you end up making these uh, staffs uh, throughout the program. And well, one thing you could do is if there's a particularly nice piece of wood from that tree, you could really honor it too by making it into one of your shamanic um, empowerment pieces and then yeah. using that in ceremony and different things like that. So there's a lot of ways where you could connect with that tree and be like, yeah, like you said, thank you for your service. And then to honor all that you've done, the shade that you've given and the balance that you provided on this land, I'm going to do all these things to, to honor that. Absolutely. Yep. And then gratitude as you touched on that is, is huge. You know, um, um, being grateful for everything that the, the tree had provided for you and, and the environment. Um, and then, you know, the opening that dialogue, uh, the tree, although, you know, you have, if you had to cut it down, it's um, no longer uh, uh, growing. Again, it's, it's, it's still living spiritual being in a way. So um, yeah, uh, communicate with it, honor it in whatever way uh, you feel called. Um, but, uh, you know, I think also we need to sort of ask, you know, is it really necessary to cut down that tree? And in some instances where the tree is like, you know, starting to sway and it's going to fall over and hit the house, like, okay, we, I mean, that's going to be very bad for us. But there are other times I know like people have, um, you know, property and they go, ah, oh, well, you know, if I like cut down these three trees and I'd have a better view of the sunset at night. Like, okay. That's kind of a selfish thing. You know, just because you want to see the sunset uh, a little better doesn't mean that's okay to destroy these beings that are probably older than you are and have been <laughs> on this land for longer than you. Um, so yeah, you know, it's, a, it's not the easiest uh, topic. Um, and there are, I think, a lot of, uh, you just kind of have to look at it on a case-by-case -case basis. Right. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if it's not too far down the line, too, like, go ask the tree, like, hey, tree, this, uh, if, you know, if you keep doing this, like, this is what's good, we're going to have to do. Is there any way you could start growing the other way? And, <laughs> and, you know, it, it, sounds, it sounds perhaps silly, but my next-door neighbor last year, he was all like, you have to cut down this tree, it's dead. And I'm just like, well, I don't know it's dead, because it, no, it hadn't bloomed yet. Everything else had leaves. And I went out and I said, hey, buddy, hey, you, you know, if you don't bloom soon you're, you're going to be done he's put me on notice he wants me to cut you down and i did like a little ceremony i gave it some florida water and i just was present with the tree gave it some energy and within a week it bloomed and like you could see little buds coming out i'm like oh yay and so <laughs> I, didn't have, I didn't have to cut it down and uh 
Ace was like, well, I guess I was wrong, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Kimberly had another great idea. She said her husband had made some runes from the tree that he cut down. Oh, that's, and, oh, that's cool. cool. So, so that's, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of different ways you could honor the tree and um, make it still useful in its afterlife, if you will. Yeah, I think and, that's huge. And um, uh, that's another thing that I just love to um, explore just you know, during my free time, just the ways, all the ways that we can use the different parts of the plants. I've, I've recently become very into bot botanical dyeing. Um, and so, you know, dyeing textiles with plant materials. So like, I love avocados. And um, instead of throwing away like the avocado skins and the avocado pits, I've been making beautiful dyes with them um and that's really fun so oh, that's awesome. and then you know you're, you're connecting with um that plant while you're while you're creating these um beautiful colors so um there's so many ways that that plant parts can be used even um after their purpose has been served per se or some of the firewood you could donate it to a sweat lodge they're always looking for wood and you could honor the tree by having the wood be the uh the the fire to heat the stones for the lodge. A lot of good stuff. You're welcome, Annie. She just thanked, uh, thanked us. By my <laughs> and since we were talking about runes, I just wanted to throw this up. Uh, tomorrow, our special guest is going to be uh, Jameson Eats, if I pronounce his name right. He's going to be talking all about Norse mythology. Um, that's where the runes come from. So if you're interested in runes, definitely tune in for tomorrow's uh, topic as well. Cool. Yeah, and uh, and while we're throwing things out there, um, tomorrow night is uh, shamanic meditation. I don't think I've decided on a topic, so uh, maybe we'll go in the direction of learning to communicate with um, uh, plant spirits. That'd be a cool one. Uh, cool. So shama shamanic meditation for connecting with plant spirits. I think that's what we'll do. Maybe not 100%, but probably on Sunday at 1 p.m. is when that's happening. For sure happening at 1 p.m. Um, so tune in for that and check out Shaman's Way, which I'll grab the link for right now. Um, Shaman's Way on YouTube and subscribe, all that good stuff. Yeah, we, we usually just go an hour, but uh, Allie, we like talking with this so much, we kind of run over a little bit. I hope you don't mind. Oh, <laughs> I'm flattered. <laughs> Do you have any events coming up that you'd like to let people know about? Not really, because um, I've, I've been quarantined. <laughs> but um, yeah, if anybody is um, interested in following my Instagram page, I would love to connect. Um, and feel free to message me if you just want to chat, um, if you have any questions or need any advice or um, are just interested in sharing your feedback. I love to um, have discussions with clients. And um, yeah. Very cool. So I'll call last call for questions. If you want to ask a question, get it in in the next uh, three minutes. We'll uh, let people ask their final questions here as we wrap up. And we always like doing two. We could do a go around of like kind of final thoughts uh, for the day. So put you on notice like you'll be, we'll ask here in a second. But if anybody has any questions, oh, was that Annie? No, she just said thank you though. Oh, just someone asked, what is your Instagram page? So let me I, I posted it before let me it's uh, at uh west side white witch yep on instagram so let me um can i copy that no, yeah you should be able, oh maybe not oh well i can do that there you go so, there we go <laughs> yeah yep. so that's that's it that, that's right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Instagram is a great way to connect. I've, uh, I'm not as active on that as other things, but it's definitely people are very connected on that and great way to communicate and get to know each other. 
Well, I want to thank you uh, before we begin to really wrap it up here. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us. This was a wonderful yes, conversation. Thank you for thinking of me. I enjoyed being a part of the conversation. Yeah, so you're welcome back any anytime you want to come on with us. Um, we could talk about uh, plant medicine or whatever else happens to arise. We may have, because I'm sure I'd like to hear a little bit more in the future about if you want to come on again about um, your uh, other practices uh, revolving around like paganism. I think that'd be really yeah, cool absolutely. Um, dreams is another thing that I'm big on. So if you guys ever want to talk like lucid dreaming and um, oh yeah, and um, astral projection and things like that, I would love to have that conversation. So. Definitely. That's Very cool. Fun. That would be really great. <laughs> all, all fun things that I'm sure people are always talking. Everybody has dreams, so why not learn a little bit more? It's so, about... inter so interesting. Never-endingly interesting. Yeah, and you've told me uh, some of your experiences with dreams, and you have, like, really, really powerful dreams almost every night, it sounds like. Yep. So yep. I'd love to hear about that. That'll be a cool conversation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love to bounce ideas off of people, too, just because there's so much mysticism involved with it. Um, and uh, it's hard to for any of us really to know the depths of what dreaming means. So that's a conversation I'd love to have with you guys. That would be cool. All right. <laughs> All right. So our final thoughts, Casey, you want to go first? Oh, you're putting me on the spot first. Oh, I could go okay. first if you like. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, oh, okay. <laughs> so, so, so in the context of herbs and of aromatherapy and all that things, just to remember less is more, just to give you one example, one drop of peppermint oil is equivalent to like 30 cups, cups of peppermint tea. And so really less is more. And if you think of homeopathy where it's like diluted by how many thousands times and it's still potent and effective, how much do you really need? So less is more. And then I would say tune in with your body. Uh, if you're taking a, a medicine, really uh, be present and feel how your energy feels, how your body feels and reacts in response to that. And take the time, slow down when working with plant medicine. You know, no need to take something and then rush out the door, especially if it's your first time working with the plant. Slow down and listen and feel whatever healing and message that that plant has for you. Even if that means just sitting and, and being present with it, not doing anything else, but feeling the energy of that plant for several hours. Uh, you know, sometimes that's what we need in order to really connect and experience the healing that a plant has to offer. Yeah, and um, I would just say um, for anybody who's interesting in sort of tapping into that, um, that ability to sense the energy of plants, um, start with uh, remembering how similar plants are to us. Um, and again, um, the book that I had uh, recommended, The Hidden Life of Trees, it's a great place to start to kind of break down um, that idea, um, all of those ideas of um, how trees are similar to us. Um, and I know there's also other books out there. There's one called um, What Plants Know. Um, I can't I can't remember who the author is, but there, there are books on this. Um, there is research on this. Um, so once we begin to think of plants as um, more like us, we begin to see them as spiritual beings, and um, that can bring a lot of joy. Very cool. Well, thank you, everybody, again, for watching this episode of Stir Crazy Shamans. And please don't forget to subscribe. It definitely helps us out uh, to the Stir Crazy Shaman channel, as well as Shaman's Way, and even the HHH channel where I posted Zane's video. Uh, if you subscribe to them all, uh, definitely helps. And we appreciate and appreciate you all. A Nike, a Nike, a Nike. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.